<laughs> Welcome to Faded Mates, everyone. I'm Jen Reads Romance. And I'm Sarah McLean. And we are coming to your ear holes this week with epistolary romances, which was a request. We should have checked who requested it. I know. I'm sorry, person who requested it. Somebody actually requested on Twitter an epistolary romance episode and I said yes because that is my jam and I think I said yes that's Sarah's jam yeah and I have a whole list of books that I want to talk about even though we're not going to get to I'm going to just name check them all like the food romance episode but epistolary romances are basically romances written in letters or texts or emails google hangouts (laughs) you laugh but that's going to be in mine it's going to come up can I tell my own personal love story? I feel like Please I do. feel like this is a good time. I feel like we're almost no. what are we? 9 months in, 10 months in. It's time. It's time for me to tell the story. We've birthed the podcast. Exactly. Now it's time for a love story. Now we're telling telling my love story. So, my husband and I met in 1999 in the summer of 1999 when my best friend from college who he went to high school with, married his best friend from high school. And we met at their wedding. Oh. And I say this all the time, but I was there in my ugly bridesmaid's dress. And I looked across the room, and he was there. And it was like that In Excess song. I I was standing. You were there. Um, <laughs> and, and I turned to my friend the bride and I said, who is that very tall blonde man over there? Um, and she said, that's Eric. And I was like, oh, my God, I am going to meet Eric because I have bridesmaids privileges. Sure. Um, Because if you have to wear the dress and the crazy makeup that doesn't come off for four days, you might as well use it to meet whoever it is you want to meet. So I waylaid him on the way to the bathroom. It's a whole thing. We could talk about it another time. And we talked. And the next night, I was staying at the groom's house. And the groom's parents were like, we don't know what to do with this person before she leaves and to fly back to Rhode Island. So maybe Eric will take her out because maybe Eric will take her out. Um, and I so, thought you were just going to stop with maybe Eric can take her. <laughs> no. No. So we went to the movies. You were waylaid in the hallway. <laughs> I see it all happening. There I was no taking or laying of any kind. It was very disappointing. We went to the movies. We saw a terrible movie called Mystery Men. And then um, I fell asleep on him in the movie theater, which was on brand. I do a lot of falling asleep <laughs> on him. And then I left and I went back to... Uh, Rhode Island and then to Massachusetts to finish my senior year of college and he stayed in California because he is an older gentleman and had a job and so uh, we I am no we used a program called ICQ and I know some of you listeners used ICQ which is a precursor to I am and we basically instant messaged for two straight years wow and that's amazing Here's the cool thing. I have, when we finally got together, which is a whole nother story that involves 9-11 and me being in New York City and him being in California, and it's all very dramatic and romantic, 
um, and ends with him saying, like, I'm moving to New York when all of New York was like, we should get the fuck out of here. Um, Eric moved to New York to be with me, which is wonderful. And when he moved to New York, I found I printed out all of our text messages. I have the entire the entirety of our relationship. That's amazing. That's Um, amazing. I have the stickers. Epistolary romances are my jam because I had it's one. It's your life. Yeah. I had one, so it feels very real oh, to me. That's so um, romantic. So there it is, you guys. I love it when people write their feelings down. Sure. I really do. I really do. I also love long-distance romances because we had one of those for a long time, too. So maybe we could do that. But that's harder. There's one great Kristen Callahan book called The Hookup. No. That's the one where they fuck in the library. No, the it's not the hookup. It's the one with the virgin hero who has the pierced penis. Because virgin heroes should have pierced penises. I was like, podcast over, click. <laughs> uh, that's a good, it's a long distance one and I like it. But anyway. Um, wait, I. You go. Wait, I. No, I don't want to know. It's fine. What? I don't like virgin heroes, so I'm not interested in when the piercing happened or how I, I I'm curious, he, but I'm going to like let it all know. go. It's probably it's a control thing. I don't know. I don't remember, but it's pretty hot. <laughs> He's an sure. NFL player and a virgin. Sure. <laughs> and he has he a pierced cock. Just of stop, Jen. This is your line. <laughs> this is your line of like, I don't believe. I didn't know where no, I was, can't suspend disbelief. presented himself. And there you were like, Kristen Callahan, Kristen Callahan, like author of every rock star romance we've ever loved. I'm like, Scotty. I know. So yes, I'll, I'll forgive Well, you it. know what Jen really does love? She loves a I can't sleep without you romance. We should do that. Yeah. Wait, that is I, you who loves an I can't sleep without you. I, no. no. You I hate, I hate it because I have insomnia. Except you love yeah. managed. So I do love managed, see? but it's. You know what we should do? We should do a podcast, an episode that's like exceptions to our rules. Yeah, Spy really romances sure. Sarah loves. Sure. There aren't any. <laughs> <laughs> that's so mean. You guys, there's somebody on Twitter. I know you're listening to, to the podcast, and I'm sorry that I can't remember your name, but I saw your tweet about how <laughs> you write spy romances, and I crushed your soul by saying that I don't read them. And, like, don't let that stop you because – Send it to me. First of all, Jen will read it. Second of all, like let's just Jen could just do a one woman episode on spy romances, or she we could do an actual episode on spy romances and have a special guest. Sure, maybe Lauren Will- Willig would like to come. Sure, whatever, uh, we'll figure it out. Yeah, you know what? It's cool. We, I've I support kissing in all forms. Yeah, that's true. I mean, right? Like when it comes down to it, like I just want people to kiss. That's all I want. You know what I want? I want Mr. and Mrs. Smith. But make it gay. That hasn't happened. I feel like I've recently. Okay. I want That's what I want. I too. If you're out there, I want that. I would read that. <laughs> I know. I'm all like. Hmm. I want like two super hot dudes. Like. Sure. Or super hot women. Sure. Super hot women. Oh, my God. Did you ever see that movie Salt. Uh, with Angelina Jolie, it was like basically designed as like the born identity, but women, but girl. No, I how and, have I not seen this? I mean, Angelina Jolie is she can get it gorgeous. Yeah, she can get it. She can. What I would like is two Angelina Jolies 
in a yeah. Mr. and Mrs. Smith style. Well, I suppose she was in the original. I don't know. Uh, Charlize she Theron. Can, sure. Whatever. She can do whatever she wants. Lupita. Lupita. <laughs> Lupita yes. and Charlize Theron in a Mr. and Mrs. Smith style spy movie slash romance novel. Fine. Make it so. <laughs> Write it. I was like, <laughs> bam. I'm just the critic, you guys. You guys have to do all the work. I'll just talk about it after. Well That's played true. on my part. All right. Why do we love epistolary romances so much? Okay. Can I be kind of nerdy? Fine. Um, I Can you be? Can you not be nerdy? <laughs> no, not at all. It's impossible. Well, I think anytime, you know, we love novelty. And the thing about an epistolary romance, no matter how big of a part of it, right, it's it's like, I mean, I think the novelty of it, right? Like you're telling a story in a different way. Um, but I also think like what you said about like, it forces people to put their thoughts down on paper and mm-hmm. or text or screen or whatever. And, you know, all of the push and pull in romance is about emotions. And so when people have to like really commit to those, to that language, like commit to those words and those feelings, I think it just feels like it totally ramps up the stakes. Yeah. You know, before, back in the day, before, I, did you, you met Daryl, like, with your face, right? Yes. <laughs> I did. I met him with my face. Um, Yeah, I met Eric yeah. with my face, too, but then we had that, that whole epistolary thing. But, like, back in the day, there was, when internet dating, like, started, when, like, yeah. Match.com started, like, email became a really big way yeah. like people getting there was a lot of like weeks of getting to know each other before you would go on a date yeah um and that's an interesting thing that like does not exist anymore in like tinder world sure it's very sort of okay well now we've swiped and we've matched and we've like had right. weird flirty texting and now let's just get this done I think that's it. Like letters, especially old fashioned letters carried by mail are like infused with longing. Mm-hmm. Right. They take because, time and they take time. You long for it. Like you sort of wait for the letter to come. Yeah. Yeah. It's really like, oh, I mean, we're going to talk about a bunch of books, I think, today, like maybe not some of them in depth, but a book I really liked a lot is called My Fair Duchess by Megan Frampton. And in this book, the heroine, I know, in this, it's so sweet. The heroine actually inherits a title, and the hero is her, like, I don't know, her man of affairs or whatever they're called. And Mm. his name's Archie, which I was like, there's no way this is going to be sexy. I was wrong. And they write each other all these letters, and, like, there's all these, like, strike through where you see what they were really trying to say to each other. And sometimes, like, they get the letters and, you know, and they're, like, living in the same house because he's essentially, like, working for her. But Mm -hmm. there's this way in which, like, the letters, I mean, I think that's the other thing about epistolary novels is... Sometimes you have to put your soul on the page, but sometimes it's like the workaround, right? Like it's a way for people to like communicate with each other when for either it's class or status or nerves or whatever, like get in the way. So I think like letters serve a lot of functions like Mm -hmm. in that relationship. And I just remember thinking it like essentially the beginning of every chapter is a letter from one or the other of them to, you know, to kind of like summarizing their mental state. And it's mm-hmm. really well done. It's really cute. I love that. I love that. I wrote a book. Um, 
I wrote a historical called A Rogue by Any Other Name. And um, my sort of like fun fact about that book often, I, the, I get the most emails when I get emails about that book, the most of the time I get them about the letters at the beginning of every chapter because um, the hero and the heroine were best friends when they were children. And they weren't like right. in love. They just were best friends. Like they grew up on neighboring estates and they loved each other so much. And then he went away to school and they wrote letters back and forth. And so the chapter, every, the topper of every chapter is a back and forth between them, a, a, a letter, a quick like yeah. conversation between them by letter, by mail. And then slowly he pulls away from her and he stops responding, but she keeps yeah. sending the letters. And then finally she stops sending them and they, and that's sort of marked in the text and it sort of, it marks their, the break of their, um, the breakdown of their original friendship, like as their romance has started and then come back together. And the uh, fun fact about that is that I wrote all those letters um, the night before I turned the copy edits into for that book. Stop it. That book was a big slog for me. Like <laughs> I wrote, I, Jen knows this, but I've, I wrote about 230,000 words on that book. There's like a director's cut for, <laughs> that could easily come out of that book. Ugh. Um and I still I had it and like I was due it was due to the co- like copy edits were due to be typeset like it was due it was due there was no I was not gonna have this book able to write this book anymore and I was yeah. so un- I was still so unhappy with it and I was like I think part of the issue is like I haven't I haven't explored their past enough and then I was yeah. like you know what I'm gonna do I'm gonna stay up all night I'm gonna write these letters and that's nice. what I did the day before I turned it in. That's bonkers. And then people love it, right? Like it's so memorable. Well, you know what? An RWA book that was a YA book that actually like traffics in this trope, which I really enjoyed. It was called Not If I Save You First by Allie Carter. And and it's so cute. And what happens in this book is um, the two, he's the, the first son and her dad is a Secret Service agent. And they are like best buddies when they're 11. And then, like, something happens, or maybe they're a little older, 11, 12, 13, and then something happens, and um, they're, essentially there's, like, an attack on the White House, and the two kids, like, witness it, and then, you know, it's, like, a couple years later, and she wrote him a letter every day, and he never responded. Ugh. And then he was like, I didn't get the letters, but it, it, like, becomes clear, of course, at some point that he did, and she's just so heartbroken i mean that's the other thing like is there anything more painful in a romance than the letter though like the the when the the response never comes to those sure. letters devastating it's, it's atonement right where I the think letters so, yeah. are sent and they're hidden mm. and or the sister takes i don't know fuck that book <laughs> so, so is that why you love it i mean why is is there something else we're missing why do you love it oh it's longing for me it's pure longing yeah. Yeah. like it's the it's the breathless like sort of it's the interminable weight between them it's like the 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 sort of honesty that comes of being on the page like the sort of um the things that you are willing to say in text that you are not willing to necessarily say to each other's faces sure um and i think it's just it's magnificent because it's sort of i feel like um epistolary romance is distilled it's like love distilled yes 
It also, you know, we talk about this all the time, why, you know, we want the main, we want the characters on the page all the time because we want to see them interacting. And there's sort of like nothing more honestly interactive than a letter back and forth. Like it's the most private experience for them. Um, yeah. But I want to talk about one, a historical, where the letters are not actually intended to get there and they do. Oh, Yeah. Tessa Dare wrote a book called When a Scot Ties the Knot. And it's this adorable conceit because all of Tessa's books have adorable conceits because she's oh, absolutely. brilliant. She, it, nobody conceives a Regency rom-com like Tessa Dare. Um, and the concept is like the heroine is basically like she's just kind of a weirdo and like people, the other girls in town don't really like get her at all. And so she makes up a kind of, like, Canadian boyfriend. <laughs> like, she's like, oh, it's fine. I have He's a boyfriend. I have a boyfriend, but he lives in Canada. Um, I have a boyfriend, but he's um, at war. He's a soldier. He's on the front. And in the Crimea. In the Crimea? No. I don't know yeah. when it is. Doesn't matter. He's in the, no, it's the Regency, so he's in the Napoleonic Wars. So she's writing these letters to this captain and she's like, you know, cap- and she writes them and she he's fake. And so she's writing them. She's mailing them off to the front and they're addressed to this person who doesn't exist. And they're basically like just letters like about her life and about like how she feels. And they're like pure. They're diary entries, essentially. Yeah, right. Because she doesn't think anybody's ever going to read them. Sure. And then the war ends and a man turns up and he's like, you've been sending me letters for all these years. Here I am. And it's delightful because she's like, oh, shit. Yep. Like, and he's like, <laughs> literally, oh, shit, I know yeah. everything about you. Like, I know everything about you. And it's really wonderful. Yeah, and it is. It's wonderful. And uh, so, you know, Tessa writes a really, like, bright and delightful historical. And, like, who doesn't want that these days? So. Oh, we all do. Mm-hmm. So. Like, falling in love via letter is, like, also a really interesting part, I think, that a romance can sell, mm-hmm. which is unusual because, of course, we are so, in, like, used to thinking about, like, love at first sight that there has to be, like, a physical connection, right? Like, you see Eric across the fucking wedding and you're like, that's the one for me. But a book that plays around this with this trope is called Written on His Skin by, oh my god, I'm going to get the author's, Simone Stark. Okay. That's right. And Not Sierra Simone. That's a different I'm, person. See, I think that's why I get so confused. I'm sorry. sorry I confuse everybody. them too. Yeah. So what I love about this book, and it is fucking brilliant, is it starts off with, I mean, he's got a sexy Cajun accent, so I'm all in right now. His name it, is Rue, right? It's a soldier romance. Yeah, of course. Except, like, we don't have to actually have any fighting. He just, like... <laughs> Wait, is there ever fighting in soldier romance? Sometimes they just come back all like, Wait, you know. Wait, what were we talking about the other? Oh, we were talking about like competence porn and how like we love it when people have jobs. We don't actually want to watch them do work. No. Oh my God. No. Are you kidding me? I'm like, and then I, the only work that ever gets done in a romance is if somebody gets done over the desk in the office. That's how it should be. You know what? I, I'm going to fucking print that on a tote bags and hand it out at RWA. Like, I don't want to see anybody in your office fucking working on spreadsheets. Spreadsheets. <laughs> 
get it. No one cares about your spreadsheets. No one cares about your fucking spreadsheets. Okay, you say PowerPoint and your whole book is dead to me. Anyway. <laughs> DNF PowerPoint. <laughs> Fuck, yes. I'm sorry. <laughs> Kelly, Kelly says this thing that's hilarious, which is like anytime someone's complaining about work, she says, well... It's called work for a reason, <laughs> right? Thanks, like, Kelly. If it's if it's fun or home or vacation, it would be called that. And I was like, so sometimes I remind myself of that. Anyway, Rue <laughs> is a soldier. He's at work in Afghanistan, he's and at, he's at work. <laughs> and he gets like one of these letters that's just like written to a generic like any soldier. And when he opens this letter, it is from Abby, right? And it's basically like love at first letter. Oh. And honestly, this book fucking thrills me. And he, so they like, so he basically writes her back right away. Even though he doesn't want to. He's like, no, I don't like these letters. I don't give a shit about them. Yes, and he's like, oh, of course. But I like this letter. <laughs> but I like this letter. She's mine. Like, it's amazing, uh, right? He's a Presley Cole hero. Oh, he totally is, right? And so there's like a whole business where she gets kind of freaked out because she's so... I mean, I don't know. These letters just like move them both. It's really amazing. So it's like a novella. I think it's probably 150 pages, but I have um, reread it several times. And there is a very like uh, I don't want to give it away. I just want you to know that like my heart is a flutter and that there if you want to DM me, (laughs) I'm going to tell you about my favorite fucking part of this book has to do with her signature. But I don't want to ruin anything. So I'm just going to say that. Yeah. Okay. Right? Um, I don't spoil it. Yeah. Also, curvy heroine alert. Yeah. Everyone. The only thing I didn't like about this book was the fact that she has a bunch of fucking dogs, but they have funny <laughs> names and it's cute. Whatever. Fine. I'm like, <laughs> a bunch of dogs. Wait, she has a job too. She's a veterinarian. I guess. It, she's a vet, but not a soldier kind. There's this. <laughs> no, because there's this book called yeah. The Vixen and the Vet, I think, or yes. The Vet and the Vixen. And I always yes. think it's the wrong vet. Like I yeah, no, he's think a vet. it's a veterinarian, but it's actually no. a veteran. That's one the of the verse. few books, by the way, where the heroine has to grovel. And she is made to grovel extensively too long compared which, to any which male. The Vixen and the Vet. Oh, really? I haven't read that one. Well, I, I actually like it. You think she it. grovels too long? I just think I would like to see a, a the only hero who has ever groveled longer is the day of the Duchess hair hero. <laughs> well, he deserved it. Yes, he did. Fine. He needed to be on ice for a long time. Yeah, but written on his skin is like an and because what it is is it's not like we've already fallen in love or we have a relationship. It's literally like we fell in love at first letter. Mm-hmm. Well, so my next one is one where we fell in love at first letter too. Um, and this one comes with a content warning for suicide and mental illness. Um, but Way Down Deep, which is by Charlotte Stein and Kara McKenna. It's a um, co-written novel, I want to say. I think it's long. I, no, it might not be a novel. It doesn't matter. It's co-written by Kara and Charlotte, and it's called Way Down Deep. And the heroine sends a text message. She's feeling... It is a night where she is at a very low low and she sends a text message basically saying that she thinks she's going to end it. 
and he receives this guy, random guy, receives this text message and writes her back. And they start up a friendship, like a conversation that then becomes a friendship that then becomes like this intense, intense love story. Um, And it is, I mean, we love Charlotte on this podcast. We've talked about it before. Kara is great, too. Together, I have to assume that they each took a character because the voices are so clear. Um, And what ends up happening is, like, he, too, has... Um, he too has issues that he needs to sort of work through and there are two you know nobody writes a broken character like a broken person who needs to be healed the way Charlotte does Um, and it's really really beautifully done and it is an entire book of messages back and forth they never well I won't spoil it but they get it is a happily ever after but they you don't ever see them on the page together. There's a lot of really interesting ways that I've seen authors tackle like text messaging because the truth is in our modern world, texting is such a big part of everyone's relationship, Mm -hmm. right? Whether it be your friendship, like, I mean, my family has a group text, right? Like the three of us text each other all the time. Mm -hmm. And like, if I read a contemporary romance novel written now without any texting, it feels like kind of wrong, right? Like, it just feels like this isn't really the way people communicate with each other anymore. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've seen authors do a lot of really interesting things to essentially, like, tackle that. And so in the upcoming Alicia Rye, which is called The Right Swipe, there, which is all about an app, right? So these are people that are connected to their phones, one of the things that happens is like is there's like an interlude that's like all texting and it's pretty short a couple pages maybe Mm -hmm. but i think one of the things it's doing is sort of like winking the way i felt was like of course they're texting each other back and forth all the time but i'm not going to interrupt my whole narrative to give you those but i'm just going to give you this snippet Mm -hmm. to show you like that this is how this works yeah And it actually ended up working for me. Like, I was like, oh, I see. They text each other. And this is just the little piece of it that Alicia has decided to show us. Um, As opposed, But I think what happens often in other romance novels is that the texting is saved for friends. And there's not as much. Alyssa Cole does a great job with the texting in between friends. But the romantic relationship does not have usually the texting. Right. Now, that doesn't mean never. I have not, like, double-checked the text. But right. So I think that's another interesting choice to just show. Of course, they're texting all the time. But I'm just going to focus that, like, relationship through the, the friendship. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I also love, and I wrote this down for today, um, Penelope Ward and Vi Keelan. So... I think Penelope and Vi, as a co-writer, they write singularly and then they write together. And they, I have had, I've never had them, I've never read a book that they've co-written together that I didn't really love. Like, I think that they are a great pair and I wish they would co-write more. Um, the, I mean, I think they put out maybe two a year. So I mean, like, please, Sarah, how many more would I like them to do? But I want to talk about Stuck Up Suit because I actually think, um, they do text messaging really, really, really well, like in all their books, but in this book particularly. So it begins with the heroine is on the subway in New York City. 
And the hero is like on his phone being pissy with someone Mm. and like being a real fucking asshole. And like she and he's in his like perfect like $25,000 suit and she's watching him and he is gross. And she is like, he is gross. She's like, he's got a great ass and a beautiful face, but he is a gross person. He is like firing his assistant or something. I can't remember what exactly is happening, but it's bad. And she's like, wow, what a fuckwit. And he like the doors are about to close on the subway and it's a stop. And he rushes out and she like kind of moves to like fill the space and her foot kicks something and it's his phone. And so she picks it up and she's like, who is this person? And she does what any of us would do, which is she calls the first person on the list. And it's a woman who's like, don't like fucking lose my number. Like, don't ever call me again. She gives her directions to the East River and is like, (laughs) throw the phone in the East River and fucking like never, never look at that guy again. So fine. Through a confluence of events, she finds out that he, of course, is a billionaire who runs like a billionaire. Who ru- who cares? He goes to work. Who cares what he does there? So he, he fucks people over his desk, Sarah. <laughs> That's exactly what he does. At his Hello. Um, I am a romance reader. I know what's going to happen. <laughs> so she goes to this building where they're like, I'm sorry, you can't meet him for another 400 years because he's just too, too busy. And she's like, well, I have something that he probably wants. And they're like, mm. Well, we can't bother him. And, like, everyone in the whole place is terrified of him. And so she basically, like, marches her ass to his office and, like, hits the intercom because his office door is locked. And he's, like, grouchy and because it's too early in the morning or whatever. And she's, like, open the door. I have something for you. And he's, like, no, I don't know who you are, you crazy person. And yeah. she's, like, you know what? Fuck you. Everyone here is terrified of you. Fuck you. So she <laughs> um, texts his number a picture of her flipping him the bird in front of her, like, chest. That's like, amazing. without her face. And she puts herself into his phone as, like, I don't know, you should, like, I should be a little more fucking grateful or something. Like, it's awesome. It's super badass. And she, like, leaves his phone on the on the desk and, like, peace out. And he starts to text her. And he's like, and then the next morning, so she like, I don't know, one, she has a tattoo or something. And he, the next morning on the subway, he's sitting across from her and he sees the Mm. tattoo and he's like, oh my God, it's her. And so they play this like cat and mouse game where they're both pretending that they don't know that the other, like that they don't, they're both pretending they don't know who each other are, even though they do. And they're texting the whole time. And it's great. It's really yeah, that's great. Awesome. And like I love I love that it's like a, a little enemies to lovers but like with like a kind of strong like badass heroine. It's a great book. I reread it yesterday and I really enjoyed it. You know what it kind of reminds me of the losing phones. Did you ever see that movie with Michelle Pfeiffer and George Clooney where they both have a little kid and they mix up each other's phones? So she has his phone all day and he has her phone all oh, day. Oh, no, I haven't seen that. It's called One Fine Day, I think. Oh, yeah. I've seen it in the movie store. Yeah, I mean, basically, sure. It's like, an. I mean, it's probably from 15 years ago, but I'm going to tell you right now, it's Michelle Pfeiffer and George Clooney, right? Like, yeah. I'm pretty sure they kiss at the end. Like, fine. <laughs> what more do you need to know? <laughs> 1996 is when he's 22 years old. So when they, 23, I can't do math, 23 years old, 
But they, of course, these are like old flip phones, right? It's not like texting sure. capabilities. So they're sure, trying sure. to like call each other all, each all day on each other's phones to like get together. Um, but yeah, that's like the whole like you, I like someone lost their phone and someone found it. I mean, I think so. It's I cute. I want to. Yeah, it's super cute. Um, and it's so like it's so modern, right? Like one of the things that I think a lot about with epistolary novels, though. And, and this, I think, is, like, sort of, like, the nerdier part of the podcast, fine. One is the thing that makes me really sad about our phones being the way that we communicate now is that it's all lost, right? Mm-hmm. So unless I have the, like, like, my text messages delete themselves after 30 days. So unless mm-hmm. I have the foresight to, like, take screenshots of particularly funny, like, exchanges. Like, there was one a couple years ago where um, my son and my husband were at, like, the car show, and my husband is obsessed with the idea of having an RV one day. <laughs> and so my son was texting me. He was like, Dad's looking at RVs. Oh, God. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know? Or, like, like unless you have the presence of mind to, like, save those text messages, they're gone. But I can open up boxes and find letters from my grandmother. Yep. Right? That she wrote me when I was in college, and I still have them. So one thing I think about a lot is like the ephemeral nature of mm-hmm. like of of electronic mail like in every way. Yeah. And I think that's something that like makes me sad. Right? Yeah, the love letter is kind of a dead art form in the sense in the purest sense of the word, like in the like yeah. holding the paper and like and like rereading it and rereading it. Like the I get that. And I, and you know, but at the same time, like Gmail archives, everybody has like a terabyte sure, forever, of right. stuff, right? So, I mean, but if Google goes away, then all of our shit goes away too. Like, and yeah. I definitely, I appreciate that. I appreciate that more as I get older and I realize like there are things that I wish I had. Like I tweeted, it was Father's Day recently and I tweet somebody had posted this wonderful video of like she'd done a sort of supercut of her dad calling her yes. and like leaving her voicemail messages where he was like this is the time I'm calling you from California and this is the weather like every yeah. time and it's really charming and I don't have a voicemail from yeah. my dad and my dad's dead and like one of my great sadnesses after he died was like I don't have anything that has his voice on it I mean I'm sure I have a video or something somewhere on my yeah. phone but like you know that yeah that memory is it's tricky you know i feel that way about pictures too like i have so many photographs and like we don't print them out we don't do anything with them right so right yeah it is i mean we're sort of increasing the amount the world is increasing this the amount of information that we have and somehow we're not doing a really good job of archiving it right the funniest text i saw last week was someone that said don't you think it's amazing that a hundred years ago we invented phones and now we've all decided that it's like real awkward and it's just better to send really fast letters? Yeah, don't. <laughs> I know we all need to learn how to write, right? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, that's amazing. So true. one book that I want to talk about um, is called Thrall by Avon Parish. No, Avon Gale and Roan Parish. Roan Parish. Yeah. Yes, and it is a retelling of Dracula. And the original Dracula was an epistolary novel, of course, right? And this book is actually, I think it, you know, like it really fully commits to being an epistolary novel. And what it is, is it's essentially like, it's like two queer couples. So there's Mina 
and oh my god, I like wrote down these names, Mina and her girlfriend. I'm like, sorry. And they have a podcast that's essentially like a ghost hunters podcast. Mm -hmm. And they have a producer named Arthur. And what happens is that one of the, um, one of those women's like brother, like goes missing. And the three of them are going to like go essentially and try and find him. And Arthur ends up hooking up with professor Von Helsing from the (laughs) like local university. And they become a couple and then, like, they're on the search for for Harker. And it is, it's text messages, it's tweets, it's, like, the podcast notes, it's uh, Google Hangouts. The in, And then there's the, the name of the book, Thrall, is because it's a dating app that's new to New Orleans that's called Thrall. And so some of the interactions actually happen, like, within the app. And so the whole entire thing is told through, or it's, it's like kind of trying to recreate, right? Like that like experience of like how often, like sometimes you and I text, sometimes we email, sometimes we Twitter message each other, some, mm-hmm. right? Like there's all these ways in which we have these conversations. And this book does this amazing job of like really like going all in and trying to capture that. Mm-hmm. But the thing that I kept thinking when I read it is that what I really want is for it to then be like mul- truly multimedia. Like right. at some point that book in order to really work has to become an app. And there's actually a couple apps like one I think for the wasteland and one although I do not have it but maybe for Ulysses where essentially it is like a multimedia experience. Right. Like the text itself. Sure. Because I think that, like, the thing I keep thinking about all the time is, like, how are we going to have epistolary novels in the age of gifts? Right? Mm. There are entire threads on Twitter where people are communicating with each other through gifts. Mm-hmm. And think about, like, what you need to know <laughs> to, yeah. like, right? Like, in f- it, it floors me how like amazing that is it's i feel like we're returning to the age of hieroglyphics i think about that a lot yeah right well even like just emojis emojis yeah and so i'm like but how in 10 or 15 or 20 years like if someone could find an old inner like like what so that's the part that i think about a lot is like the limits of the epistolary novel it, it it, right? Like, it's like, how do you do that in the age of the internet? I but just here's know. the thing. The epistolary novel is about limits, right? Yeah. Like, it's structured in such a way. Like, yeah. you only choose the epistolary novel. Like, you don't have to write this shit into any sure. books, right? Right. Um, you choose it because it does a certain amount of work, right? Like, yeah. all of us, when we sit down and we start to write a book, we think to ourselves, like, what are the structural choices that I'm going to make, right? Like... I mean, when I wrote Day of the Duchess, like, I was like, I need to write it in two timelines. Like, it needs to be time slip. Like, Rogue by Another yeah. Name has these letters. Like, there are there are, a, there are several of my books that, that do something like that. Flashback use. Like, things like that. Where you right. think about it as, like, as I'm piecing the story together, what are the components of the story in craft form that right. help me tell this story? Right? Right. And, like, epistolary epistolary novels work that way like the the letter does a huge amount of work yeah by virtue of being a letter instead of a monologue right right well the thing that's kind of brilliant and i don't like it's 
kind of a spoiler alert, but like not really because it's not really about the characters. But the va- like, so then of course you're left wondering, like, okay, well, who's the Dracula in Thrall, right? Like, mm. and it ends up essentially being our devices. Yeah. Right? Like, like big data and our devices and the idea that like our lives and our time and our interactions with people are being like sucked away. And I actually ended up thinking like, okay, so thematically, like, right, the book is really serving that, yeah. right? Like this format is really serving that. It's like, working. It's purpose. Yeah. And I ended up thinking it was like really, like I, I, it felt like more of an experiment, right? But yeah. I really liked it because I really felt like here were two authors, again, who are really like, how far can we push this thing? And I think it's interesting that in this episode, we've talked about a bunch of paired authors. Mm-hmm. Because, of course, the epistolary novel would really appeal to people who are yeah not in the same place. Yeah. Like our podcast is an epistolary novel to romance. But it's interesting because we're, we're also talking about two really different kinds of stories, right? Like, or may, I, I don't know, this is a question, right? Because we, on the one hand, we're talking about like, um, we haven't actually talked about a, a pure historical letter book. Um, yeah. My my sort of final pick is um, what I think is probably the best epistolary romance ever written, and that's Lisa Kleypas's Love in the Afternoon. Skyrockets in flight, afternoon delight. And the premise of that one is uh, very similar to actually the Tessadere, the Tessadere idea um, in that, um, but in this case, it's a retelling, it's a Cyrano retelling. So Cyrano has been around for a thousand years, right? So, um, and the concept is very, it lends itself really, really beautifully to epistolary stories. And so... Uh, the idea is the heroine, uh, Beatrix, um, has a friend or like she's sort of the weird youngest sister in this uh, Hathaway series, in in Lisa's Hathaway series. She has a lot of animals that she really loves and like she's kind of a strange, a strange bird. But everybody loves her because she's curious and also like now all of her siblings are super duper rich. So, you know, whatever. She's allowed to be weird. Um, And she has this friend who's, like, not really a friend, but, like, is friendly. And the friend has – is betrothed to a man who's at war. This is in the Crimea. And the friend is like, well, I guess I have to write to him, but snore. Yeah. Right? (laughs) And Beatrice is like, well, that's really a bummer because he's a great – he seems great. And, like – well, actually, she doesn't think he's great. They have, like, never – they've had a kind of a fraught relationship, the two of them. Like, he thought she was weird and he she thought he was stuffy. And then, yeah. like, whatever. It didn't matter because they weren't getting married. And then she – but she sort of has this moment of real sympathy for him. And she's like, you know, he's a soldier at war and he's far from home and he's far from the people he loves in this, like, community that we have here. And so I will write the letters for you, which, as we all know, is going to go very poorly. Very, very poorly. (laughs) So they write the first half of this book is like this beautiful love story between them where like 
she's writing at first she's trying to like write on behalf of her friend and then she sort of throws that out and then just starts to write to him and like she's like his she's a voice from home while he's at war like it's a really beautiful relationship that gets built on these like deep deep emotions and it's magnificent and when he comes home he comes home deeply deeply in love with his fiancée because she has made him deeply in love with her and he goes to see her and he's like I'm crazy about you and the fiancée is like cold and like this is weird like I don't know what I don't know what you're referring to and she sort of tries to like fake her way through and instantly he's like you're not her like who wrote the letters and he finds out and he's furious and like then he goes to like it's it's magnificent like he in yeah. only the way Lisa Clay like of course it's Lisa Clay this right okay so I want to return to written on his skin because it has a similar thing where she sends a picture but it's her and her sister and it's a long story right but she basically wishes she looked different and says you know the sister that one's me and he like, he, he's so disappointed he somehow knows, right, that it's, like, not her. But I think that, like, what both of these are getting at is that, like, when you really write your truth, you're really letting someone see you. Yeah. Right? That, it's so much more important than all the other stuff. Yes. Like, you course, fall in love first. Yes. And then you meet. Right. That's, that's the appeal. Like, that sort of sense of, like, the person like like truly having somebody fall in love with what's inside like your thoughts and your words instead of your face and your your body yes yes and I think that that's why like that was like another element of that book that I thought it's like really playing with something really brilliant which is like he knows that's not her because he knows her right and, mm-hmm. of, and I think that there's something, like, that's the part, too. Like, letters, when they're sent, right? Like, you're really, like, revealing something about yourself. Yeah, yeah. but what's really interesting, and I want to go back to this. I started talking about Lisa's book. You know, I got there through this. But is there's this difference between the books that are handwritten letters, right? The breath, yeah. what we've talked about, this sort of breathlessness of, like, I'm mailing my letter, And now I'm waiting Mm -hmm. for you to write back or I'm sending my email and I'm waiting for you to write back. And the immediacy of texts. Oh, yeah. Like they do very different things. And it's a really interesting – like I'm still super drawn to that that immediacy of like email and text – in these books, you know, I say all the time that, like, Fifty Shades is a lot of problems, but one of the things that is absolutely not a problem is those emails between Christian and Anna. Right. Like, they are delightful. Yeah. Um, and part of the reason why is because it's sort of, like, banter and, like, quick dialogue, like, quick back yes. and forths. And also, they can be sort of perfect in email in a way that they're not necessarily in real life. Sure. But it is, interestingly, doing a very different, like, it's it's doing a very different character thing than a letter. Yeah. A letter is is giving you, is going deep. Uh, email or a text is very surface. But like both deeply, both very honest, I think. You have to commit to it, right? Like once you press send, <laughs> right? Like it's out there. And I think that that's the part, like a really funny, 
viral and I hate to like almost mention it for fear that we'll like kick it back into like a like a viralness or is that one by Kate Claiborne where she was like great text to have with your friends right and she Mm -hmm. was like and it like ended with like just the three dots yeah right like when you see those three dots in a text there is something so magnetic about it yeah well because you're right it's like being in a room with somebody it's real it's like you know I mean you and I text constantly and right. it's and it is it's it's as though you're on my phone or in my house, you know. So I think that's the part that like trying to capture that and the way that it's changed the, the way that we like are with each other is something that I think is really interesting and something that I think that like I see a lot of writers working within really interesting ways. Mm-hmm. If we could, like, take a turn maybe to, like, non-romances for a minute. Oh, yeah. Just because there are so many, like, really interesting ones. And I want to start off with one that I think of always as being a little sad, which is a book called um, Welcome to the Goon Squad. And have you read this? Yeah, Jennifer Egan. Yeah, by Jennifer Egan. And in this book, texting essentially becomes so ubiquitous that everyone just calls it tea. We're going to tea, right? Because it's like even saying text is too many words. Mm -hmm. And there's this one part and I I don't like I don't really remember anything else about this book. But I vividly remember the scene where two people that had been teeing meet in real life. And it's just really hard for them to communicate in that way. And, And they sit at a table and they tee each other. And one of them even says like, can we just tee? And I just remember thinking that it's. It's like the cautionary tale, right? Mm-hmm. Like texting and technology as distancing. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's something that a lot of, right? Like you can go someone through a text. Like I think that authors have to, like letters are always about putting yourself out there, but technology can be used as a barrier. Mm-hmm. And I think that the best like romances and novels and fiction are are grappling with both of those things. I agree. The book that I always come to when I think about epistolary novels is a book called Ella P by a guy named Mark Dunn. Um, and it is, it's called, the, sub- the, the um, subtitle is a Progressively Lipogrammatic Epistolary Fable. And it tells the story of a special, um, of a town, like an island, an island in the middle of the ocean where they worship language like language is their mm. is their god and they have a statue in the middle of their like town square on the island that is um that says the quick brown fox jumped over the lazy dog right which is the shortest sure. sentence in the english language that uses all 26 letters and one day on this perfect idyllic island where they worship language the the Z falls off of this <laughs> of this uh, statue and like the island elders come together and they're like, well, this is clearly a sign and we can no longer we are banning the letter Z from the language. <laughs> so you can't you get three infractions and then you have to leave the island if you so you can't use you can't write it. You can't speak it. Um, you cannot use the letter Z. So. Um, and then it gets worse and worse and like there's something wrong with the glue on the statue and like it ends up and there it's all letters from Ella, the main character, 
to other characters in the in the story and she's telling the story of this town and this island and like what's happening it's like sort of a meditation on religion and on um like intellectualism and academia and zealot like what it is to have to be zealots um and there's like all sorts of really like fascinating it's a beautiful fable but at the end the only word the only letters left are l m n o and p and her name is ella minnow p so Ella space Minnow space yeah. P. So she signs her letters L M N O P, and basically like she has to figure out a shorter sentence essentially, yeah. like to prove that language is not yeah. like the most like that language can transform. Wow, and that it's sounds amazing! Really fantastic um, because he, as the letters disappear, he stops using them in the text. Mark, yeah. That sounds amazing. Yeah. So it's the great. zealots aren't zealots. They're elites. You would, actually, your kids would probably love it. Like, it, it's yeah. fabulous for grownups, but, like, I feel like a eighth grader is, like, a sweet spot for this book. Because it also shows, like, craft. Like, how you, like, when the letter drops off the off the statue, the letter drops off of the book. And it's really remarkable how, she, how he does it. That's really cool. Yeah. One last one is Where'd You Go Bernadette? Mm. Which is about a young girl essentially searching for her missing mother. And I mean, and I think that's like, again, like the power of letters. It's longing, right? Like, where, like, right? Like, where is my mother? And I think that um, I love that book and it's really funny. But like, like Thrall, it uses like an extensive amount of different kinds of written communication, right? Like, so it's like memos to the principal and, you know, emails and all sorts of things. And I think that it's, again, like just trying to capture, like she has all this information. She has all of these ways in which she can communicate. But the one person that she is desperately like searching for, she can't connect to. Yeah. Right? They're making a movie out of it. We saw a preview for it last time we went oh, cool. to see Rocket Man. I like that book a lot. I did too. I loved it. Um, also, Jen, it feels like because it's us, we have to give a shout out to James Joyce and his I sex mean, letters. <laughs> I was like, I was waiting for it. Yes. <laughs> his sex letters to his wife. James Joyce is a dirty, dirty bird. Oh, yeah, and, he is. Uh, My goodness. James Joyce, you get it. He really, I mean, like... Yeah, we've talked about this before. Like, if you had to pick someone from the canon to bone, <laughs> it's definitely Joyce. Sure, he knows what he's doing. I mean, he is game. <laughs> he actually, so, of course, he, you know, he left Dublin and, you know, like, lived all over the rest of Europe. And he was obsessed with, like, recreating Dublin on June 4th, you know, um, it was, no, June 16th, sorry, And he, um, 1904, I believe, if I'm right, and I'm like, spent a long time, but he, um, one of the things that he did is he would write letters to everyone that was still in Dublin, like, and ask them, like, these, like, the most arcane questions, like, do you remember the name of the baker that was at this corner? Because he was obsessed with getting everything right. So, yeah, he wrote lots and lots of letters. Yeah, but most importantly, he wrote those filthy letters. The dirty ones to his wife, to Nora. About smelling her farts and. He was very earthy. He really liked cunnilingus <laughs> and analingus. He would have been great in like a Cressley Cole 
master style situation. Except that he was not really an alpha hero. Another great story about him is that he was terrified of thunderstorms and would like hide. Really? Like, hide under furniture. Yeah. Even as and a grown man? Ki- yeah. And his kids were like, what are you doing? And he was like, you have no sense. Get down here with me. <laughs> you idiots can't you tell we're about to die i do not understand a word of james joyce james joyce's books um i understand a lot of the words in his letters um but i really feel like he probably was really fun to hang out with i really like him a whole lot for sure i like him a whole lot jen has a ulysses tattoo it's true i do and that's another reason why we are friends (laughs) Uh, because molly bloom is amazing I don't understand most of Ulysses, but I do understand that Molly Bloom is amazing. Yeah, so. well, there you go. That's all you need to know. I mean, that's the takeaway, right? Boom. I took my daughter to Pride last weekend, and she uh, and she came back, and and um, Eric had stayed with the with the dog here, and she came in, and um, she, he was like, "How was it?" And she was like, "It was amazing. The theme was rainbows." So oh. I feel like the theme <laughs> of Ulysses is Molly Bloom is amazing. Sure, fine. I'm there for it. Yep. Thank you all so much for listening. It is Faded Mates. This is Faded Mates. You can write us a letter on Twitter or Instagram. Yeah, write us letters, you guys. Oh, we should get a post box. If people would write us, like, actual letters, I would love that. Um, anyway, write us letters on Twitter. Write us letters on Instagram. Write us letters in comments. Uh, don't forget to look at show notes. I have a book coming out. This is it, you guys. I'm just going to promote my book on every episode now. <laughs> I have a book coming out. It's called Brazen and the Beast. It's out June. Ju- when is it? Uh, it's out July 31st. You want to try that again, Sarah? <laughs> I'm sorry. It's called Brazen and the Beast. It's out July 31st. It has a beautiful blue cover. It's it a curvy does. girl and competence porn. And they have jobs. Um, but we don't ever see them do paperwork. Um, actually, we see Hattie do just a touch of paperwork, but it's not that important. And uh, and um, you can pre-order it wherever books are sold. And if you pre-order it from my local bookseller um, and you put Faded Mates into the message for the bookseller, we will send you, I will send you a sticker along with your book. And who doesn't like stickers? I ordered my book from Word. I did not tell them to tell me Faded Mates I will stickers. send you a Faded Mates sticker. Oh. <laughs> But you also get other stuff. You get like a you get uh you get goodies. I'm doing I'm pr- I'm making these beautiful pocket mirrors that go with it. Oh so, yeah, it's so fun. Anyway, well actually, uh, best friend Kelly is making those pocket mirrors. It's called work for a reason, everybody. I know resistance <laughs> resistance buttons. Shout out to them. Kelly actually loves writing letters, and she um is a big fan of letter writing, like the actual old fashioned kind. Mm-hmm. And after listening to this, probably would in fact just for fun, we might get letters in the mail from her. I would love that. I really recommend to everybody, if you think that you might be interested in writing some letters, one way to really make it happen is order some fun stamps. I have shark stamps. I have Disney villain stamps. I have um, oh, dragon stamps. Jen has never written me a letter, everyone. That's a lie. I totally have written you a letter, haven't I? No. You've never written me a letter. Fun stamps, though. I hear they will make you write letters. <laughs> I sent you cards, Seven. I sent you, you cards. Sent me, you sent me a pa- you've sent me a couple packages. See? I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to suggest that you've never sent me things, but I've never gotten like a letter with like a Disney villain stamp on it or anything. 
The truth is I only send the Disney villains to people I don't like. <laughs> so watch out, If I'm everyone. like negging you through the mail, I send you a Disney villain. I'm like, fuck you. You want me to pay this bill? Fine. I also have Mr. Roger stamps. I send Aww. those in Wonder Woman. Oh, well, I love a Wonder Woman stamp. See? Um, this is all great. You all, and also, um, if you really like writing letters, you should sign up for Postcards to Voters, y'all. There you go. Uh, You can make beautiful, beautiful postcards that remind Democrats to vote for Democrats. So, that's us. (laughs) That's Jen and me. (laughs) I mean, come on. They listen to the birth control episode. They can't think that we're, you know. (laughs) I just want, like, I just want to live. I just want, like, this country to live. It's like a, a simple woman. It's fine, and you can do that and also send awesome postcards to people. That's fun. Absolutely. All right. Have a great night or a great morning whenever you're listening to this. We love you, everyone. Thanks for listening. Go read a book with a letter in it. Yeah. Send somebody a text message, but wait a really long time so they're worried about what the bubbles are. (laughs) All right, my friends. We'll see you next week for Wait. It's Sweet Ruin Week. Honestly, Sarah, it's going to take 700 years it's for us to record. Sweet Ruin Week. We'll sweet Ruin like- Week is going to be meeting ah! like, I'm Jen Reed's romance. And then I'm not going to say anything else. Josie. Josie, Josie, Josie. Ruin, ruin, ruin. Oh, so good. Bye. Bye, everybody. Nora, 9th of December, 1909, Dublin. My sweet, naughty little fuckbird, here is another note to buy pretty drawers or stockings or garters. Buy Horace drawers, love, and be sure to sprinkle the legs of them with some nice scent and also discolor them just a little behind. You seem anxious to know how I received your letter, which you say is worse than mine. How is it worse than mine, love? Yes, it is worse in one part or two. I mean the part where you say what you will do with your tongue. I don't mean sucking me off. And in that lovely word you write, so big and underlined, you little blaggard. It is thrilling to hear that word and one or two others you have not written on a girl's lips. But I wish you spoke of yourself and not of me. Write me a long, long letter, full of that and other things, about yourself, darling. You know now how to give me a cock stand. Tell me the smallest things about yourself, so long as they are obscene and secret and filthy. Write nothing else. Let every sentence be full of dirty, immodest words and sounds. They are all lovely to hear and to see on paper even, but the dirtiest are the most beautiful. The two parts of your body which do dirty things are the loveliest to me. I prefer your arse, darling, to your bubbies, because it does such a dirty thing. I love your cunt not so much because it is the part I block, but because it does another dirty thing. I could lie frigging all day looking at the divine word you wrote and at the thing you said you would do with your tongue. 
I wish I could hear your lips spluttering those heavenly, exciting, filthy words. See your mouth making dirty sounds and noises. Feel your body wriggling under me. Hear and smell the dirty, fat, girlish farts going pop, pop out of your pretty, bare, girlish bum. And fuck, 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 my naughty little hot fuckbird's cunt forever. I am happy now. Because my little whore tells me she wants me to roger her arseways and wants me to fuck her mouth and wants to unbutton me and pull out my mickey and suck it off like a teat. More and dirtier than this she wants to do, my little naked fucker, my naughty wriggling little frigger, my sweet dirty little farter. Good night, my little cunty. I'm going to lie down and pull it myself until I come. Write more and dirtier, darling. Tickle your little cocky while you write to make you say worse and worse. Write the dirty words big and underline them and kiss them and hold them for a moment to your sweet hot cunt, darling. And also, pull up your dress a moment and hold them under your dear little farting bum. Do more if you wish and send the letter to me, my darling brown-arsed fuckbird. Jim. <laughs> <laughs>